In this podcast, we talk about demons and demonic possession, so stay tuned to this part of our larger series, Understanding the Occult. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Keith Crosby Out of My Mind. This is podcast 053, podcast 53, and today we want to have a biblical conversation with you about the crazy world in which we live. So join us over the next 20 minutes or so as we provide you a bird's eye view perspective of a complex issue confronting our culture, the church, and you as we apply God's word to make sense of it all. And at the end of the podcast, we'll give you additional resources for further study, just in case you'd like to dig a little bit deeper. In the meantime, let's get started. Okay, so we've gone from the occult to ghosts and seance, and now to demonic possession. This is, this is getting pretty interesting. Well, it, it should be, and it's important. This subject is one that is surprisingly more and more at the forefront of many consciences and many people's minds today. Let me show you what I mean. An October 2019 survey from YouGov.com found that 22% of Americans believe in demons, that they definitely, definitely exist, with an additional 24% stating that these entities likely exist. Now, you know what that means? It means that 45%, plus or minus, half of the Americans who responded believe that demons are real or are probably real. And that's kind of surprising given our secular culture today. And if you drill down deep into that survey, 36%, over a third of those who participated, believe they have personally experienced or been in the presence of a demon. Now, think about that. 36% of the respondents... There was a similar thir- survey in 2013 that indicated 60% of Americans believe that the devil exists, and over 50% of those who responded believe that human beings can be possessed by demons. And almost a third of those respondents believe that they've seen a person who was possessed. And to me, that's amazing. All right, so why don't you fill us in? What is your take on all of this and kind of all this data? When I look at all this data, and I'm very careful with it, but the takeaway, I think, is the idea of the demonic realm, that it's real. That idea is alive and well in the 21st century. And that's surprising, again, given our secular tilt these days. Okay, so we see all this data and some of these numbers, they seem pretty surprising. I I do agree with you there. Um, But do you really think that this many people have seen somebody who's demon-possessed, and and how would one end up that way anyway? Well, you know, it's hard to say. The same survey indicates that there's this awareness that there are ramps or doorways into the occult, like Ouija board, seances, psychics, and things like that. And so this increased awareness, I think, uh, leads in that direction. What do you mean by that? Well, 76% of respondents said that such activities could open a person up to full demonic possession. 60% of these people suggested that a Ouija board is a means of getting wrapped up in the occult or uh, exposed to demonic forces. And oddly, there's a lot of disagreement with how to deal with possession, ranging from exorcism to treatment. Okay, wait. So... You just use the word treatment. So in my mind, that kind of is uh, seems like it's something that we can treat medically, uh, maybe like a more of like a psychosis or a mental illness. And I think when we when I think of demonic possession, when I think of um, these things, 
I think of the stories that I've heard in the Bible um, that definitely seem that there's like an actual demon in a person. Um, and I know that a lot of the critics and the skeptics would say like, oh, well, that's just superstitious. But what do you make of all of that? Well, actually, we were going to get there. So let's slow down because I was getting there. Okay, well, don't go too slow because we only have 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. Well, true enough. True <laughs> enough. So your question is, how do we handle or respond to the suggestion that people in Bible times might mislabel, let's say, an epileptic as somebody who's demon-possessed because they have seizures or foam at the mouth or something like that. I'm glad you asked that question because these days, if you want to say modern people or contemporary people, are very quick to disparage the ancient peoples and dismiss them as simple-minded, unintelligent, and superstitious. And to be sure, there were, among indigenous peoples, people who were superstitious. But remember that intelligence and access to technology are not necessarily related. And so we look back at them, and they didn't have all the tools we have today. But if we really think about it, people were much more intelligent on average then than they are now. And I'll give you an example. They built the pyramids centuries and centuries before Christ without any modern technology. And the precision with which all the bits and pieces of the pyramids line up cannot be matched today by what we do. So they weren't exactly dummies. They were engineering geniuses. Even the Romans were. And then you have Plato and Aristotle, and they certainly weren't fools. And then there's Hippocrates. You've heard the Hippocratic Oath. He's the father of modern-day medicine. And according to Wikipedia, Hippocrates of Kos was a Greek physician during the age of Pericles, that's the golden age of Greece, who is considered to be the father of modern-day medicine. He invented the idea of diagnosis and prognosis and clinical observation and the systematic categorization of diseases and the formulation of something called humoral theory, which eventually led to uh, something like psychoanalysis. So they weren't exactly superstitious and dumb. They might not have had the same technology that we have today, but they were no dummies. And I don't even want to get into Leonardo da Vinci. So let's just not assume they were all superstitious hysterics or you know, spooked out or something like that. It, it's, it's not really fair to them. And also, even when you look back at the Bible, the Bible carefully distinguishes between physical illness, mental illness, and demonic possession. And here's an example of that in Matthew 4, 24 and 25. Talking about Jesus, and he's doing all these healings, and it says, the news about him, Jesus, spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering from various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Now, I want you to think about that. Look at that categorization. There's not this, broad, oh, this person's foaming at the mouth, you know, he's, uh, or she is possessed. And even the ESV, I was just quoting the New American Standard, but the English Standard Version says, so his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all who were sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics. Again, you have this distinction. Okay, so we see that the New Testament distinguishes between those people who suffer from seizures or epilepsy and those possessed by demons. Exactly. And interestingly enough, the word for epileptic there in the New Testament is the word from which we get the word seizure. And even in the King James, the King James, you know, a less uh, charitable age or a less politically correct age, translated around 1611, refers to people who also who are lunatics. And a lunatic was their term for a person with psychosis. They 
thought they were moonstruck, not possessed by a demon. And so what we see here are clear distinctions, clear categories. So to answer your question, it's not entirely fair to suggest that these people were just superstitious and brushed them aside. That would be intellectually dishonest of us. Even then, people understood the difference between seizures or epilepsy and demonic possession. And let's also remember this. Jesus believed in demons. And who was he? He was the Son of God. He was God in the flesh. And he cast out demons. So it's fair to say that this goes beyond being misdiagnosed as a mental illness or something or superstition because Jesus was the Son of God, God the Son. And remember in Mark 5, verses 1 through 13, Jesus talked to Legion, that, you know, the demon that infested this man. And he said, you know, who are you? And the demon said, I am Legion, for we are many. And then he cast it out. Demons are not mental illness. Legion had the ability to communicate, to reason, to express will and desire. And so we know that that is not a disease like a tumor or something like that. Jesus in Luke 4, 33 to 35, we read this. He was teaching in a synagogue, verse 33. In the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. So these are examples, of course, of demonic possession in the New Testament. And these, are, these cases of demons are real, and these cases of possession are real. And in some cases, uh, you have Legion in Mark 5, and Mary Magdalene in uh, Luke 8. There's more than one demon in the individual. And that's, that's a terrible thing. It's sad. And Paul himself cast out a demon. Uh, a young slave girl had a spirit of divination, we are told. She was being exploited by her masters. They were charging for her services. You know, she was like telling the future or telling people details about themselves in Acts 16. And Paul cast them out and actually ruined their financial enterprise. And, you know, on Sunday right now, we're preaching through the book of Revelation. And that book has frequent references to demons. You know, the so-called demon locust in Revelation 9, 3 through 12. A demon-possessed army in Revelation 9, 13. All this is part of the fifth trumpet. Demons are biblical in the sense that the Bible clearly teaches of their existence and their very real danger. Moreover, the apostles even warn about falling prey to destructive doctrines of demons. And in 1 Timothy 4.1, we read this. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits, demons, and the teachings of demons. Okay, I think we should pause right here because I remember back in the first podcast we did in this, this season or series, uh, we talked about... Um, first Timothy four one. And I think that this whole idea of like the higher knowledge, uh, we talked at length about that in that first podcast, um, in that search for that, I think it, it really starts to, you start to see some of that here with this slave girl who's being exploited, but exploited because of this spirit or demon that seems to be in her. Right, because it's a spirit of divination, and people want to know stuff. This is what we talked about, you're right, in the very first podcast, what lures or seduces people into the occult. People are devoted. They, they want an edge. They want a head start. And what happens is, whether they go to a tarot card reader or a Ouija board or a psychic or to somebody like this slave girl, they want to know stuff, and they get drawn into that mindset. 
they begin to accept what this person says as truth, even though Satan is a liar, and so are his demons, and they want to know secrets or so-called higher knowledge, and they get lured in, tempted and carried away, as James says, by their own lust. And so you, it, it, today, even you have these New Age gurus and others who introduce people to channeling. Channeling is where you allow this higher spirit, this ascended master, to occupy your body and speak through you. You know what? We call that demonic possession, uh, but they would call it something else. And, you know, whether it's Oprah or whoever does, all kind of celebrities get into all this. Uh, there's a new craze uh, involving psychedelic drug use where people take hallucinogens and they call it dying once so that you can be immortal, that you gain this higher knowledge by opening your mind up to another world. And playing with these kinds of things is extraordinarily dangerous. Seances, too. And I don't want to sound like a, an alarmist, but a Ouija board. Anytime you try to cross over and connect with this other dimension, this other world, you're opening yourself up to a number of things. One, harming yourself or your family spiritually. Uh, two, normalizing the occult in your own mind. Three, it draws you further and further away from God. And as I said in our first podcast on this topic, these things are becoming normal in our culture. And while not everybody ends up demon-possessed or anything like that, there is a very real problem with demonic possession. And demonic possession involves a demon or an evil spirit, as some call it, taking increasing control of a person's life until it controls the person's mind and body. So when we first kind of got onto this whole topic of demons and possession and those things, it makes me think of uh, a, a movie that I'm sure we're all familiar with, and it's The Exorcist. Now, this movie, uh, granted, came came out before I was alive, and people would say, like, oh, this is a classic movie, but there's now been, like, this whole genre of movies that's all about demonic possession, and it's got its own uh, on you know, you can Google, it's got its own database of demonic movies. And so, so what's your take? I think on these, I think the exorcist uh, movie did for demon possession, essentially what Jaws did for sharks, which yeah. gave it this really interesting and like really almost super negative, super kind of scary uh, connotation. Yeah. You know, and I think you're right. I think you're referring to the internet movie database where they keep track of all these different types of movies and the exorcist, you know, it, it established that whole genre, and people like thrills, and for some people it thrilled them, it terrified others, kind of like Jaws. And so I think what we have here is something that is good and bad, because both these movies moved these dangers, de demons and sharks, closer to the forefront of people's minds, and it helped some people to be more cautious. Definitely don't go swimming in the ocean after night at low tide. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you know, don't play with a Ouija board, which is what took place in the movie. But it also incited other movies, kind of like you said, and movie copycats. And it enthralled, some would say, a generation. The Exorcist is an iconic movie. So I, I think that phenomenon is kind of a two-edged sword. It is good and it is bad. It definitely cuts both ways. Okay, so I guess that kind of leads to the question is, you know, how real or how realistic uh, are these movies, you know, you do get spitting heads and levitation and things like that um, with these demon possessions. Like, obviously, I think we can probably all say at this point that Jaws probably isn't all the way true, um, but it definitely instilled a fear of great white sharks. And so in the exorcism, how real do you think some of this stuff is? 
Well, you know, I, I, what I look at is I try to look at it like we do in this podcast through the lens of Scripture, and so we elevate the Scriptures rightly over the experience of that people sometimes report or that shows up in the media, particularly when it comes to things like demonic possession and exorcism, and we'll get into exorcism, believe it or not, in our next podcast. But Scripture does affirm some of the features that you see in these movies. You know, in Luke 8, uh, 28 to 30, Jesus is uh, dealing with legion, where the, this man is infested with tons of demons. And it talks about this man, and in verse 29, it says that this man was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. And so there, I think there is this aspect of superhuman strength. And then in Acts 16, with this slave girl with the spirit of divination, she could tell people intimate details of their lives somehow. Uh, and so I think there's this intimacy or this, uh, I think there are just these supernatural aspects that, you, that they do get right in these movies. But remember this, Hollywood popular culture is kind of like a broken analog clock. They are right twice a day but they get as much wrong as they do right. And that's why we look to Scripture rather than to experience. As I've read books preparing for this podcast, some of these books are using the worst possible sources imaginable, and they're doing it uncritically. And that's why we want to rely on the Scriptures. And we'll talk more about this in particular, relying on the Scriptures and not tradition and not the culture when we deal with exorcism next week and maybe sorcery if we have time. All right, so... Why don't you just wrap us up real quick as we as we close up today? Um, just a little summary on demons. Okay, well, demons are real, and trifling with the occult can put a person in harm's way and potentially open some of them up, uh, unbelievers, to demonic possession. Possession, and we'll touch on this more as we talk about exorcism, is real, uh, and it's also rare, but it's increasingly less rare. And I don't know if we brought this out clearly this time, but there are many things, many on-ramps into the occult and the demonic that we overlook, ranging from New Age practices like channeling into seances and to other things that we should just stay clear of. And finally, th this gets back to our reliance upon Scripture rather than popular culture. Beware of popular books or rituals or experts on exorcism or these so-called deliverance ministries. All right, one more thing. Can a Christian be possessed? Short answer, no, but we'll talk more about that in an upcoming podcast, but Christians cannot be possessed. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like additional resources, you can go to www.gracetoliveradio.org and hit the resource button. If you have questions, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us, keith at hillside.org. You can learn more about Hillside Church at www.hillside.org. You can attend worship services here in person at 8 o'clock, 9.30 and 11. We also have a, a young adult service on Monday night. We have student ministries and youth on Wednesday night. We have women's Bible study on Thursday morning. We have men's Bible study on Tuesday night. There's a lot going on here. and We'd like you to join us. But in the meantime, whatever your podcast platform, like us, share us, give us a great rating, comment on us at it generates uh, activity with the algorithm, and this, the reach of this ministry is expanded. This is Keith Crosby with Mark Stickler. God bless you, and God keep you.